This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. As we close this, I want to I spend a little bit of time, just a few minutes in God's Word. And I, I want to suggest that we turn our minds toward a guy named Nehemiah. Those of you that know the scriptures, you know why we would talk about Nehemiah. Back about 455 B.C., this guy had a remodeling project. It's really what it was. He had to take things that were, had become worn and broken down, and they had to take those, those materials and, and remodel and get the city back up to par. And so there's a number of things that we learn about Nehemiah, and, and, and as we look at God's word, well, I'm a preacher, so I can't help but think of a lot of alliterations, words like passionate, prayerful, claiming God's promises, planning, passage, prepared, projected, pushing, prevailing. I'll show you where those words show up. This is in Nehemiah 1. The beginning of this story, Nehemiah gets a report from his brothers about what's happening back in Jerusalem. The place had been sacked. The walls were knocked down. Anyone who did live in that area, they were vulnerable to raiders and people coming through and robbers. And there was no security. When there's no security, there's no real city. And so he gets this report. Nehemiah 1.3 is his response to that. We read this. Then they, said to, then they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Passionate. This was important enough to Nehemiah that it caused him to weep. The thought of a church sitting and no one hearing the gospel the thought of not affecting and reaching out to those around us, does that make you weep? Does that make your heart ache? Does that cause you to mourn? And I know for many of you it does. Nehemiah was passionate. But it didn't stop there. Okay, next slide, please. Changing? Okay, there we go. So the, right after Nehemiah, he hears this, he's thinking, and now he does the next thing, he prays, right? He said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant with those uh, of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and let your eyes be open to, the, to hear the prayer of the servant that he's praying before you this day and night. And for your service for the people of Israel, I confess the sins of we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, and that we've committed to you. He prayed. As soon as he saw this need, he prayed. And connected to that prayer was a sense of responsibility for the mistakes he's made. <coughs> we've not done what you asked us to do. Forgive us and please hear us. Nestled into that prayer is uh, a little reminder from Nehemiah. Hey, God, and by the way, remember what you promised? The next slide. He says, 
Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and I'll bring them to this place. Verse 10, he says, They are your servants. They are your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and by your hand. It's interesting to me that when Nehemiah prayed, he also took the opportunity to remind God of what he had promised. And as we have a heart to see Crossroads at Montgomery be a light to our community, and as that passion causes us to pray, even to confess our weaknesses and our failures, it's okay to say, and hey, by the way, God, you're the one who said you love lost people. Remember? You're the one who said that we can be a city on a hill. You're the one who wants to redeem this world. Remember? Please do that. Next slide. So Nehemiah is passionate and he's praying and he knows the story, the history of his people. And, but now he starts to plan. Nehemiah 2, we learn that, that, that he's a cupbearer to the king. This the, 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 the history is, is amazing how God began to work this out. But, so here he is in this position of influence. And, and in this service, suddenly the king says, Hey, what is up with you? What's going on? What's wrong? And Nehemiah has this opportunity to share this burden with his boss. Verse 4 says, And the king said to me, What is it that you want? You're telling me about your people and the, and the city. Like, wait, what do you want done? And Nehemiah says, Then I prayed again to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then the, next, the rest of that passage shows that Nehemiah wasn't just praying, he'd been planning. He'd been thinking about the materials they were going to need, how long it was going to take to travel, how we're going to feed the people over there, what the, what the plans are going to look like, how we're going to, uh, the protections and the permissions we're going to need. And, and, and he begins to just pour this out. Suddenly he realized, wow, when you were praying, you were also planning. <coughs> Next slide. But he didn't just pray and plan. Then he, he had a, I have to keep a P word, so the only one I can find is he had a, a passage, you know, like on a ship. But uh, he traveled. Then, then he actually picked up and went. He himself went to Jerusalem. He put his money where his mouth is. He put his life where his mouth is. Next slide. And once he was there, then he prepared. This passage talks about him getting up in the middle of the night, taking a small group with him, and, and he makes his way through the ins and outs of all the gates. He's inspecting. He's doing it at night. You know why? Because he's, he's trying not to... He's trying to be prepared before he approaches his people. So he's gathering this information. And he's making note of each of these gates and, and what kind of shape they're in and what's going on. He, he, he does his preparation. And once he's gathered all that information that he has, then the next slide. He has a chance... Okay, there we go. 
He says, and I moved to the fountain gate and the king's pool and on and on. And so he's, all this preparation, it's, it's, it's detailed. And if, if, if I could share with you, and we did a while back when we did Nehemiah, but to, to look at the geography of what he was doing, and it was just very methodical, but when it was all done and he'd done his preparation, then he gets to this spot where he speaks to God's people. And he says what is already obvious to them. Just like today, we're saying to you what is already obvious to you. Look at this opportunity. Look at the need that exists. And look at the opportunity that we have. In our faith journey as followers of Jesus, there are moments when God opens a door for us. There are times when He puts a challenge in front of us. And in such moments... It is our responsibility to believe what God has said, to trust in His Word, and to act in faith. Faith is a funny thing. It's so easy to say the Word. It's these opportunities when we have to act on faith where things really shine. So Nehemiah says to the people, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be a disgrace. And here's what's interesting. He's not just saying, let's build this wall so we don't have to worry about those guys coming and breaking in overnight. Let's build this wall so people don't snicker and laugh at us. We, we, we want to get our self-esteem back. He says, no, you see, it's not just about us, it's about our God. And he says, and, and then I told him about how the gracious hand of my God was on me and what the king had said. It was obvious that God was already going ahead of them. By the way, you know that if you know the story about Nehemiah, you know there was a good deal of, of uh, opposition to this work. And that opposition was because, not because they were just against that city popping up, they did not want God back in the neighborhood. And they knew that when this city is back up and safe, we can once again be a light to the nations the way God intended. Of course, the end of that is just great. He says, and they replied, let's start building. And so they began the good work. Good work. So this is what we've decided to call this theme, this, a theme this campaign. We're here for good. Now, Montgomery's already been there for 300 years. That's a pretty good start. And we've talked about it another 300 years. The message is pretty simple. We're here for good. We're not going anywhere. We're a part of this community. But I think you see that there is a double meaning. We're not just here for good. We're here for good. We're here to do good, to bring good. We've talked about it while we've been here at this site. What it means for folks, for our neighbors to say, whew, I am so glad that church is there. They're amazing. They're wonderful. They're such a help. They're such a blessing. In fact, when my cousin had that car accident and, what, or then, and, then what, and they begin to tell stories, that honors God. Well, now we take it from a back road in Hatfield out to the main road in our county. 
but the message stays the same. We're here for good. We're going to get a little pastor, one of those big pastor outfits, and all of the pastors are going to take turns standing out there. <laughs> I don't know what a pastor outfit would look like. It would be interesting to see, yeah. We're here for good. In fact, when you give, if you, whether it's Montgomery or Crossroads, if you put this, this amount goes to we're here for good, it'll get to the right place. We finish this work and we lay, begin laying the foundations for that next phase. So as we talk about raising money so that we can make a change, there's, a, there's another interesting piece to this as we go. Just like Nehemiah's job, he wasn't building from scratch. This wasn't new construction. He had to take what was there and clean it up, fix it up, put it back in line. He was, Nehemiah was remodeling. Um, I'm guessing everybody has seen a couple remodeling shows. Yeah, myself included. First of all, it's the only thing that's on TV half the time. But how many different iterations of a, of a remodeling show can they come up with, right? Next, it'll be two blind guys uh, doing remodeling or something. I mean, it's just, it's just it's, it's amazing. And yet we watch it, we're riveted, because there is something about the process of taking what was there, having a vision for something that's different, new, better, improved, more effective, having a vision for it, and then seeing it happen. Don't you want to cheer sometimes when you see the final product? Yes! That's what we were thinking. Isn't it interesting that that's really the same kind of work that God does in our lives? Unless, of course, you're tickled pink with the way your life is right now. Everything's fine. I'm good. The truth of the matter is, we all need some remodeling. So for the next few weeks, we're going to have a short series of messages. I'm going to call this series Fixer Upper. Because that's what Jesus does. He is the Fixer Upper. He comes into lives, he takes what's there because he loves it, but he doesn't leave it the way he found it. He moves things, he changes things. Just to, I'm going to just give you a warning right up front. Most remodeling includes some demolition. So there is going to be dust, there is going to be dirt, there are going to be injuries. We had a few of those yesterday. But when we look around and we say, you know, this place needs work. Something's got to change, God. God says, I know just the guy for that. Probably one of the most important people you can have on any remodeling job is a carpenter. What you really need is a really good carpenter. I happen to know one. He is gifted at remodeling people's lives. He's really good with working, working with his hands. He's creative. He's inspired. And he's loving. So in the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to invite Jesus to come and do some remodeling in our lives, even as we do some remodeling. To be honest, the other really good thing about this theme is that as we redecorate the stage, you're going to think it's because, oh, that's neat. It goes with the theme. That's actually because we're going to be taking stuff down. <laughs> okay. 
Okay? So there's going to be pieces missing from about here on in. So when there's a little blinker barricade there, it, it could be just for looks, or it could be that there's a huge hole. So be careful. It's not going to look right. Things aren't going to work right. There's going to be, it's going to be a mess. That's the way remodeling goes. But if you can endure the mess, for some of you, disorder is just painful. I understand. It's a lifestyle for me, but disorder for some of you is a mess. It's so hard. But if you will endure it and trust his vision, the end result, it'll shine. People are going to come in and say, who did this? I would like him to come and do work in my life. I can have that arranged. So I wonder if you're ready for this journey. You ready? Let's pray. So as we continue this remodeling, preparing to move our church, it would be a shame if you thought it was about just church buildings. Pastor Jim already mentioned, and Pastor Nick as well, it's not just about buildings. It's about buildings so that, that will allow us to do more effective ministry. But guess what? It doesn't even stop there because the goal isn't just doing ministry if it means ministry just for someone else. The truth is, Jesus wants to do the work in us as he helps, uses us to do the work in someone else. So the invitation is not just to come and help a church move, not just rehab or remodel a building, not just get involved with a ministry to help somebody else's kids, but in that whole process, he remakes us, learning to do the right thing. Learning to do the right thing at the right time doing the right thing for the, at the right time, in the right way, for the right reason. All of those changes, he begins to remodel in our lives, one step at a time. The invitation is simply this. As you help us get ready for this move, please get some remodeling done yourself. Let God change you. Lord Jesus, it's amazing the way that you love us just the way we are, but you have no intention of leaving us the way we are. Some of us have already been feeling some of that pressure. We keep bumping into that piece that needs to be remodeled or moved or knocked down or demoed or updated. We know that some of these things have gotten away from us and we've ignored them and it just needs some work. This place needs some work. And so we invite you. Even now, we say, as you speak to our hearts, we will try to respond in faith so that you can remodel our lives so that they more accurately reflect your character. Help us to change as you seek to change those around us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.